0: Are having a conversation with Al Portia um, who told a story earlier this evening titled the swerve now Al you made mention to um, the audience about your experience after a few tipping points of getting tipped into the service during the Vietnam era and um, since you got out which is
1: commendable. Always good to get out of the military. Always good to come back from a war.
0: Yes, yes. Um, you did some work with vets who are returning from various wars that we continue to get into. I
1: did. It's It's, it's been interesting because I was a reluctant soldier. I was drafted in 68, went to Vietnam in 69 as an infantry soldier and was not pro-military or a supporter of the war, but uh, I did my duty. But throughout my life, even though it was the last 10 years of my professional life that I actually worked with combat veterans at the Vet Center in Manchester, New Hampshire, very rewarding work. But I was always amazed at how often I was hired for various jobs because of my military background. So what seemed like an incredible negative at the time that it happened really turned out to be a positive and, and greatly influenced the arc of my entire professional life.
0: But in your work with the vets, who you said you um, worked with, um, assisting them to work through their uh, various emotional and psychological scars, that you you've used story. I'm interested in that. You said that telling their stories is important.
1: Right. I I think it, it, that's one of the challenges that. Uh, all veterans face in terms of combat veterans that are processing their combat trauma. You know, people talk about PTSD. I always like to refer to it as the emotional and spiritual wounds of war, which I think is a better way to characterize it. Right. And so if you keep all that inside you, it's not good. And not only is it important for them to tell their stories, but I tried to... Of course, we did individual and group counseling at the Vet Center, but I tried to get veterans and take them out into the community to tell their stories in high school classrooms or college classrooms or different venues because the communalization of their sacrifice is healing for them, and it's certainly important for the broader population in our democracy to understand what we're asking of our men and women when we send them to war and they get some sense of exactly what the impact is on them. So I think it works for everybody. It can be very powerful. And, and that came to me naturally because I had, one of my careers was teaching at Granite State College. Uh, it was called the College for Lifelong Learning back then. Non-traditional students working on college degrees. And I taught a course called Critical Thinking, and I would have people read lots of interesting literature and, and to analyze that. And to So one of the things I did at the Vet Center was I created a what I called a bibliotherapy group. And so that's what we did. We read stories that helped people to further explore how their own stories resonated with those stories. For instance, I was going to say, Tim O'Brien, for instance, uh, was a book that we read, The Things They Carried. Just a, a wonderful book of stories. Uh, yeah. uh, dealing, he was a combat veteran himself, and the book Maybe has been now. used in, in many high school and college classes. It's a masterpiece, uh, in my opinion. Uh, to, to give you a sense of how that works, the impact of stories, uh, I brought something here. There was a, a chap in, in that group. I've changed his name, even though it's only the first name for confidentiality. We'll call him Bill and after reading the things they carried he said, this is a great read for anyone troubled by memories of violent and untimely death of friends in combat. It consists of a series of episodes based on the author's Vietnam experience, the episodes weave in and out of each other. Sometimes an episode is retold with slight shifts of emphasis or detail, giving it totally different points or meaning. He goes on, this book brought home to me although memories like these are part of who I am, I have great latitude in how I will work from them a body of meaning that enhances rather than inhibits my experience of life. So he got that from reading the, the book, where Tim O'Brien does take a, a certain vignette and recasts it several times throughout the book and changes it slightly. He realized he could do that with his own memories, his own traumatic oh, memories, I I, I and, and reshape them. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that expected. was he, he did that with a series of stories within, because the book is a collection of short stories, but they fit together as a novel. Uh, so that, I, I think that, and here's one other person. i just share again the, the value of storytelling and, and, and reading literature that is based on the literature of stories. Talking about a book in group encourages me to look for how things I enjoyed about a book crosses over into other parts of my life where I didn't always look for the good things in my life. I used to always look at the bad parts of my life and dwell on them. Now I know not all of my life was bad. Some parts were actually good. Very powerful, the, the, what reading so, literature and storytelling can do for folks.
0: Those books of stories were fairly contemporary. I mean, they were um, within the, okay, contemporary within the last 50 years. You know who? Uh, right,
1: You're, exactly. And so sometimes that creates a problem for the combat veteran because of the politics involved and it's too close to their own experiences. So that's why. Recently, within the last year, I had the good fortune to get involved with a project that was uh, sponsored by the uh, New Hampshire Humanities, and they got a grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities to use uh, classical works of literature, in particular Homer's Odyssey, in reading groups with combat veterans. The project was called uh, From Troy to Baghdad, and it has a more formal, longer title there, uh, From Troy to Baghdad, Dialogues on the Experience of War and Homecoming. And so this was really an an excellent opportunity. It created an environment where the, the story of Odysseus and the 10 years it takes him to get home. Of course, it doesn't take our veterans 10 years to get home, but the psychological journey home can easily take 10 years, 20 years, 50 years. And so they were able to see examples of the very struggles they have in this work of literature written 2,500 years ago, which made them realize, geez, it's not just me. People have been dealing with these issues from time immemorial. Right. And and that's just fantastic. Now, doing that in a group with other veterans, of course, was very powerful because it was a mixed group. We had Iraq-Afghanistan veterans, we had Vietnam veterans, uh, different ages, different eras, and uh, it was, uh, we had a facilitation team of three people, a, a classics professor in the group we did in, in Portsmouth, a classics professor from UNH, Steve Truscoma, brilliant professor, great guy. Uh, Brendan, uh, Brendan O'Brien, how could I forget your name? Sure. Brendan uh, was an Afghanistan veteran, heavy combat veteran. And so that was the model, uh, academic expert, a combat veteran, and then someone who had experienced uh, psychological experience uh, working with, counsel, uh, with veterans dealing with combat trauma. So of course, I was also a combat veteran, too, so I sort of had a dual role there.
0: When the vets read certain chapters, I suppose, and then came together a group. And that's what
1: we did. We did so it lasted 14 weeks.
0: So you discussed the book or that chapter and then would they, it would, at some point, tell their own story? Right. It would, that, uh, it
1: would quickly get away from the, the book. I mean, it, Steve's job was to take us back to the book, but actually we had one veteran there who was uh, uh an Iraq veteran who was always very good at saying, well, let him get him back to the text, and he would read something from the text. But of course, a lot of it was people would go off on talking about their own experiences and their own challenges and their own stories. Yeah. It, was, it was wonderful, a wonderful model. We did this all over the state. The, they got oh, the really? grant. This, so
0: you didn't have just one group locally? I mean, there were
1: different there? facilitation teams. One, I was with the one here in Portsmouth. It was in Manchester. It was up in the North Country and also over in the Connecticut Valley where this whole thing originated. There's a faculty person at Dartmouth named Roberta Stewart. She's a classics professor there and this was her model. She'd been doing this for many years on her own and then got this idea of connecting with New Hampshire's humanity and trying to do it on a larger scale. And it was so powerful. People were so... uh, Involved in it in in two different places the one we had and the one in Manchester that after it ended after 14 weeks They wanted to keep going so we went on we went on and did the Iliad without any funding uh, the facilitators We volunteered our time and we got a place in, a, in the Dover Public Library and we went through the Iliad next So wow, I mean that really tells you how it impacted people and so Building community is a, certainly a, what a part of that is about too because veterans can often be isolated and so this really helped to build community for these folks.
0: and speaking of that, did you go out? Did any of these fellows that um, experienced that part go out like to schools or was that a different you know to tell their stories or was that yeah, that's uh,
1: we haven 't done that yet, but the, the project continues now, and so whether some of these folks will be involved in that, we would hope so, because not only are they going to do another series of this around the state at some different locations starting in September. But they're also hoping to do some other projects with taking veterans and expanding the audience to not just being veterans, but to broader right, civilians, that uh, family really members, important. and yeah. uh, that's that's all in the, in the planning stage right now. So how that's exactly going to fall out, it, it's not clear. But it should be it should be exciting, and they're they're piggybacking on the movie, this series that's coming out, of course, which is the the Vietnam War uh, by. Um, well, the chap who did the Civil War series. Why so am I might not thinking his oh, name?
0: Oh, yeah, because I can't think of it either. Ken Burns. Ken Burns. Ken Burns yes, <laughs> it's terrible getting older. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, there's some good things. So, so uh,
1: yes, Ken. So that's uh, they're going to do some things uh, oh, around that that's, also. That's
0: great. So this is going to continue. That's.
1: And I think it's out. good because even though I really appreciated, and enjoyed and gotten great satisfaction in my work with veterans and helping them deal with their issues i also have tried as much as i could in my life and look forward to continue to trying to reach out to the other audience our citizens not yes. our consumers but we have a democracy and we're supposed to have be citizens not just consumers and we need to educate these folks. We well, need to educate what the implications are of what political leaders we elect in terms of what wars we will or will not fight in the future. In, so in that's Vietnam, my we were, little soapbox there, but I, I yeah, want to get that we, in there.
0: We saw it. it. It was present in everybody's lives, and that ended the draft, and now it's more hidden. So I'm glad to know that your work is going to be expanding with, with the vets and continuing in New Hampshire. That's, that's good news. But um, now I'd like to take it back a little bit to the story you told in your own personal story, your experience um, with your family right. about getting this whole... I, 10
1: minutes doesn't give you a lot of time to flesh out the, some of the more interesting details and also how those experiences resonated throughout my life. Uh, and. I don't want to give people the idea that I was throwing my father under the bus. So fortunately, he was able to turn things around so much. My mom, who had a master's degree in library science, was able to get a job at a head cataloger at Health Education and Welfare. And so they managed to get back on their feet and, and do quite well. Uh, and even though my story was all about how it changed my value systems and to not be so materialistic, it's interesting when I look at my life today because I have a very nice home. I've got Oriental rugs and a baby grand piano. I will say this: there's no debt. Uh, so that was a, ah, There was something right. I learned there. There's nothing is finance. You're not
0: digging the earth.
1: But uh, right. <laughs> but uh, it's. Uh, I guess one of the lines I left out in the story. Uh, I forgot it was uh, I've been rich and I've been poor and I'll take rich any day, but I wouldn't sell my soul to get there. And so I think that's the important thing to to keep in mind. So I've been fortunate enough to uh, acquire some creature comforts at the same time I was able to do work that created meaning. Of course, let's give credit to my wife of 40 years, who's a physician that didn't hurt either. Ah, <laughs> yes. And So I had the good fortune of falling in love with a, a woman who was also a superior breadwinner.
0: Man, that's a deal.
1: Yeah, it was a good deal. <laughs> but... Uh, so but so I am aware of the, those contradictions in my life because there's so many people in our society that have so little. And so it's really important for us not to forget that and to be able to use our positions of relative economic comfort to try to do what we can to help other people in our society. That's what's so discouraging, for instance, of what's currently taking place in our politics with the, the, the health care bill from the House and the one from the Senate, which is even worse. I mean, they postponed it. I heard this afternoon until after the Fourth of July. But you know, they're they're not going to make it any better, uh, and it's it's terrible. It's, it's terrible. It's, it's, uh, it's crazy. so. Yeah. We're, what we're is the
0: vision? I, that's like, you your story changed your vision of your worldview, and um, it it seems the best case that uh, politically we should have a vision that we're working toward that is one of cooperation and right, uh right. And, and help for people. Um, so this health care, just talk about throwing under the bus, you know. That's,
1: it's, I, it's, it's discouraging what what yeah. has happened. So I think people need to get more active in terms of speaking up and, and challenging our, our – holding our political leaders' feet to the fire. I mean, uh, I'm afraid our Congress and our Senate has devolved into people who are – Totally in the pocket of corporate America, and uh, their self-interest is is not the people's self-interest, and it's it's, it's quite this is discouraging.
0: A, a whole other complicated conversation. Uh, I would like to know, based on your story, about your parents. They must have stayed together, correct?
1: They did. They did. And so and, they
0: they patched it up, um, or they they had an understanding. Is as unreasonable as your...
1: Well, like any friend? good marriage, I mean, they, had a, they, had, they were totally committed and loved each other and had made that commitment for life. And so uh, my father always had bots where he would break over with the alcohol use, but he managed to keep that in control for large parts of his life. And uh, as I said, my mom was able to, in some ways, uh, a silver lining for her because she was a stay-at-home raising the three kids, charity balls, and when we all were up and out of the house, what kind of life was she going to have? And so in her mid-40s, she winds up starting a career and becomes a very successful cataloger at the uh, Health and Human Services, it's called now, it was called H-E-W then. So, so that was fascinating when you think about it. That uh,
0: that, that tipping point of you um, having the car just you know taken away, repossessed, It was a change for you, but ultimately, it was a tipping point in her life, too. Oh, absolutely. It just, you follow that process. Right.
1: My father, maybe not so much. He was the the, (laughs) the grandiosity that goes with the challenge with the alcohol, probably was always a struggle for him. But uh, he had a good woman that kept him in line as much as possible. Okay, so
0: he made a good choice in in the beginning, and so we'll credit him for that. Right. Okay, Al, well, I think that we're finishing up now, and I want to thank you for your time. and Well, I want to thank you
1: for giving me the chance to share a few thoughts here and to tell a story tonight, and it's been great fun.
0: I hope that we can hear a little bit more about uh, the, the next rendition of um, your work with that says it.: um, I would be happy to
1: a, share that as it, it I moves think along.
0: That's good work, with story. Excellent.: Thank you. True Tales Live on PPM-TV is made possible through the generous support of Artists Collaborative Theatre of New England, Act One, presenting outstanding performances of Stories with Heart at the West End Studio Theatre in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. For further information, contact 603-300-2986 or on the web at act1nh.org. With additional support from Pat Spaulding, who really wants to know, hey, what's your story?